luminous points. They looked into his own with a meaning, a malign significance. A snake in a bedroom of modern city dwelling of the better sort is, happily, not so common a phenomenon as to make explanation altogether needless. Harker Brayton, a bachelor of thirty-five, a scholar, idler, and something of an athlete, rich, popular, and of sound health, had returned to San Francisco from all manner of remote and unfamiliar countries. His tastes, always a trifle luxurious, had taken on an added exuberance from long privation. And the resources of even the Castle Hotel being inadequate for their perfect gratification, he had gladly accepted the hospitality of his friend, Dr. Druring, the distinguished scientist. Dr. Druring's house, a large, old-fashioned one in what was now an obscure quarter of the city, had an outer and visible aspect of reserve. It plainly would not associate with the contiguous elements of its altered environment, and appeared to have developed some of the eccentricities which come of isolation. One of these was a wind conspicuously irrelevant in point of architecture, and no less rebellious in the matter of purpose, for it was a combination of laboratory, menagerie, and museum. It was here that the doctor indulged the scientific side of his nature in the study of such forms of animal life as engaged his interest and comforted his taste, which, it must be confessed, ran rather to the lower forms. For one of the higher types, nimbly and sweetly to recommend itself unto his gentle senses, it had at least to retain certain rudimentary characteristics, allying it to such dragons of the prime as toads and snakes. His scientific sympathies were distinctly reptilian. He loved nature's vulgarians and described himself as the Zola of zoology. His wife and daughters, not having the advantage to share his enlightened curiosity regarding the works and ways of our ill-starred fellow creatures, were, with needless austerity, excluded from what he called the snakery and doomed to companionship with their own kind though to soften the rigours of their lot he had permitted them out of his great wealth to outdo the reptiles in the gorgeousness of their surroundings and to shine with a superior splendour architecturally and to point of furnishing the snakery had a severe simplicity befitting the humble circumstances of its occupants many of whom indeed could not safely have been entrusted with the liberty which is necessary to the full enjoyment of luxury, for they had the troublesome peculiarity of being alive. In their own apartments, however, they were under as little personal restraint as was compatible with their protection from the baneful habit of swallowing one another. And, as Brayton had thoughtfully been apprised, it was more than a tradition that some of them had at diverse times been found in parts of the premises where it would have embarrassed them to explain their presence. Despite the snakery and its uncanny associations, to which, indeed, he gave little attention, Brayton found life at the Druring Mansion very much to his mind. Beyond a smart shock of surprise and a shudder of mere loathing, Mr. Brayton was not greatly affected. His first thought was to ring the call bell and bring a servant, but although the bell cord dangled within easy reach, he made no movement towards it. 
it had occurred to his mind that the act might subject him to the suspicion of fear, which he certainly did not feel. He was more keenly conscious of the incongruous nature of the situation than affected by its perils. It was revolting, but absurd. The reptile was of a species with which Brayton was unfamiliar. Its length he could only conjecture. The body, at the largest visible part, seemed about as thick as his forearm. In what way was it dangerous, if in any way? Was it venomous? Was it a constrictor? His knowledge of nature's danger signals did not enable him to say he had never deciphered the code. If not dangerous, the creature was at least offensive. It was de trop, matter out of place, an impertinence. The gem was unworthy of the setting. Even the barbarous taste of our time and country, which had loaded the walls of the room, pictures, the floor with furniture, and the furniture with bric-a-brac, had not...